You're listening to Chewing the Fat on Demand. for Christmas. All I want for Christmas is you. Baby, I don't want a lot for Christmas. All I want for Christmas is you. I don't want a lot for Christmas. Underneath the Christmas tree. I do not want a lot for Christmas. I don't want a lot for Christmas. All right, what do we got to do today? We got size matters. We got a meat text. We got, oh, we got to do the fake doctor story. We got to do, oh, that's so good. Yes, alive or dead. The, uh, oh, we got to update the airline story from yesterday. That is a must. And we need to try to get a hold of, uh, let me try to get a hold of Cam Edwards. I saw that he's got a new podcast up, and uh, forty acres and a forty acres and a fool. And uh, I'd like I'd like to maybe try to talk to him for a couple minutes too. I love Cam. So I guess I should probably just go. Welcome to it. This is chewing the fat with yours truly. Jeff Fisher, thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. Good to see you. You look great. It's a Tuesday. Everybody pushing through. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA. You got Facebook and Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. And you, of course, have Chewing the Fat podcast that uh, you are subscribing to. And when you have the opportunity, you can rate and review it. And it's real simple to rate and review it. Uh, You don't even have to think about it. You rate it 20 stars, you review it, best podcast ever, and you subscribe to it. You've done your job. Thank you so much. That's all you need to do. I appreciate it. Okay, so we've got got a lot of uh, of weird stories today. But one I want to start off with is we need to update the story we did yesterday uh, about the family of an elderly woman who accused American Airlines of leaving her stranded in the airport overnight in her wheelchair. Remember, we talked about how the uh, the porter left her because that was his end of work day. It's over. And she's uh, she has Parkinson's and diabetes and she has trouble walking. And she they just dropped her off. They, her flight was canceled. Uh, the relative dropped her off. Everything was fine. Then the flight was canceled when everybody left. And they pushed her downstairs. And they gave her a hotel room. And they gave her uh, food. But they weren't going to give her uh, transportation to the hotel. And there she sat in her wheelchair all alone for hours and hours and hours in the airport. Because the porter pushed her down to the doors and said, hey, I don't know what more I can do for you. My shift is over. We're done. And he left her there. And they complained. They posted on social media. It went viral. It went crazy. They started complaining about American Airlines. The family said, hey, I just would like someone to care. We just want someone to care and pay attention. It's important. That's all. We just want someone to pause and say, you know what? Can we just make sure this human being is safe? And then we can all go home. Not one person did that, is the quote from the family. Well, and then they posted a picture of the woman sitting at the airport all alone in her wheelchair. Yeah, well, American Airlines uh, paid for the ticket, apologized, refunded her trip uh, after hearing of their troubles, and uh, they uh, said, you know, they apologize that we're going to look into it. Uh, we know that the porters don't work for American Airlines, but we'll definitely look into it and uh, see what the, see what happened. Yeah, uh, nothing like the family uh, portrayed. That's what happened. Uh, they looked into it. Her, they looked into uh, what had happened. American Airlines noted that uh, Warsaw's flight was canceled at 11.20 p.m. 
Uh, the airline issued passengers vouchers and hotels and meals at 11.36 p.m. Uh, then uh, the airline added that the porter retrieved Warsaw. So remember that god-awful porter that just wheeled her down and forgot her and just let her sit there because his shift was over? Yeah, him or her. Uh, the porter uh, retrieved Warsaw from the gate, phoned relatives... Let them know that, hey, her flight was canceled. You have to come back and pick her up because she doesn't have any way to get transportation to the hotel or the food. The attendant then drops Warsaw off at one of the upper levels of the airport. Not downstairs, not by the exit doors, sitting in her wheelchair all along. This is all on their little CCTV footage. Then... During the time that she was waiting for her relatives to come pick her up, which, by the way, was uh, she was dropped off in the terminal at 12.30. The family member arrived at the airport to pick her up 43 minutes later at 1.13 a.m. During that time, between the time the porter dropped her off and left her up on the upper level, waiting for relatives to come pick her up. She, this, this woman who struggled with Parkinson's and, and just, and just and diabetes and had to be stuck in her wheelchair for hours, uh, got up, took her walker, went outside, smoked a cigarette a couple times, hobbled back into her wheelchair, waiting for the relatives to show up. So, what the family portrayed happened didn't happen at all. In fact, what the family said they wished would happen, happened. Absolutely agonizing. American Airlines should take their money back. They should be paying, those people should be paying for the ticket. They should be paying for something. And next time that family wants to fly somewhere, American Airlines should charge them 10 times the ticket price. And make them carry their own damn luggage to the bottom of the airplane. I mean, that is ridiculous. These airlines take enough beating as it is. Airports and airlines, which is what I was talking about yesterday. It seems we're either beating up on the airlines, we're beating up on the airports, we're beating up on TSA. Everybody doesn't want to be responsible for the other. And everybody still wants a working process. And to think about it, with all the working parts of airports and flights around this country, things are pretty smooth. When you really think about it, things are pretty smooth. I know, you know, there are when it's a domino effect with weather delays that shuts everything down and makes it hard to travel sometimes. But overall, day to day, our travel process with the airlines is pretty good. And so when we hear all these stories on the plane, off the plane, in the airport, outside of the airport, and we get we get angry with them, well, I mean it's deservedly so usually. Now we get this story, and we're so easy, I'm as guilty as anyone, to jump in and beat up the airlines, American Airlines, and beat up the airports for not taking care of this one poor old lady, because that's who they are. They're heartless bastards, except they're not heartless bastards. They actually helped the lady. They actually called the relatives. They actually wheeled her to an upper level where she could relax and probably close to, I don't know, the the smoking area. So she could hobble her old diabetic. I can't can't take it. I can't. I I hope uh, that they get called out for this. I hope that, you know, at least American Airlines says, yeah, uh, you know, we said we were going to pay for your ticket, but (laughs) we lied. Just like you. Do Americans marry for love or money? What do you think? A new study by Merrill Edge looks at our relationship with finance and romance. And does size matter? Well, the size of your partner's bank account, that is. Does it matter? People are more realistic than romantic uh, by the time they wed. Uh, Abby Rodman, the uh, psychotherapist in Boston, uh, 
told Market Watch, we're living in a time when people are waiting longer to get married. Today, both genders are closing in on 30 by the time they tie the knot. And by the way, I just like to say, Abby is only talking about male and female. I think, I don't know that I can continue with this story anymore. Both genders. I mean, there are a lot more than both genders. She should be more inclusive than that. Uh, Both genders are closing in on 30 by the time they tie the knot. If they've already experienced a long-term head-over-heels relationship before marriage, they've also learned that those crazy-in-love feelings do subside over time. I like to say it's somber maturity. That's sad. That's sad that uh, a lot of relationships uh, subside over time. Uh, It really is. It, It shouldn't be that way. You should work to not make it that way. I'm your relationship expert right here. Jeff Fisher, chewing the fat. Your relationship expert. How am I an expert? Well, I've been in many relationships. I can can help you through that. I can walk you through the help. Just call. I'll help. Research supports her theory. Some 56% of Americans say they want a partner who provides financial security uh, more than head over heels love. 44% uh, want that head over heels love. A sentiment is held in most equal measure by both men and women. Okay, that, 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 that is held both. 54, well, men 54%, women 57% uh, say they want you know financial security more than head over heels love. Generation Z which is you know between 1996 and 2010 is the only is the only cohort to choose love over money and i believe that was probably a lie uh, merrill edge pulled more than 1000 people age 18 to 40 with investable assets between 20,000 and $250,000 now that's excluding primary home and other real estate investments so it could be even I mean, even more money and even though they want partners with certain socioeconomic status, they re- remained coy about their own finances. They rank nearly all major relationship milestones, including meeting their in-laws, being intimate, traveling together, and discussing politics ahead of discussing finances. Wow. They postponed the money talk with their significant others, especially when the topic is debt they want to talk about salary they want to talk about investments they want to talk about spending habits eh, nobody wants to talk about debt also depend on whether it's uh wedding number one two or three uh divorce protect yourself your kids and your future uh, i still think people marry more for romance than finance says an atlanta georgia attorney family law attorney However, for a second or third marriage, people may be looking for financial security after their divorce left them with a sense of severe financial insecurity. Boy, do I know the feeling for that. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis said, uh, or you know, reported to say, uh, the first time you marry for love, the second for money, and the third for companionship. <laughs> Man, did I get that order wrong. And did I get that order wrong? A recent analysis of U.S. Census uh, Bureau data by the Pew Research Center found that adults 25 or older, 65% with a four-year college degree were married, compared with 55% of those with some college education, and 50% among those who education beyond high school. So in 25 years ago, the marriage rate was above 60% for all of those groups. Financial security was a big factor in choosing to get married at all. Uh, never married adults with family incomes under 75000 are more likely than those with higher incomes to say that not being financial secure, financially secure is a major reason that they're not married. I find this fascinating, too, that the singles also look for signs that their potential partner um, has money. Uh, iPhone owners are 20 iPhone owners are 21 more times likely, more times, 21 times more likely to judge others negatively 
for having a less expensive Android. Well, A, uh, my Android that I have, you bastard iPhone owners, the Android I have is uh, as expensive or more than your iPhone. Okay. But that's that's not part of the story. Sorry. Uh, So iPhone owners are 21 times more likely to judge others negatively for having a less expensive Android. And while those who have an Android are only 15 times more likely to judge others negatively for having an iPhone. So the Android people are so much better is what that says to me. Those who have older models of either smartphone are 56% less likely to get a date. (laughs) If you got an old phone, you're not getting a date. Sorry, you're out. I don't know what to do. (laughs) That's really funny. Different sexes want different things, especially if they're financially secure. Men want higher incomes uh, with uh, men with, with higher incomes. This is gonna this is gonna make you mad now, okay? But I want you to relax, take a breath. All right. Men with higher incomes showed stronger preferences for women with slender bodies. Those bastards. Those bastards. While women with higher incomes preferred men with a steady income. <laughs> it just in it for the money. <laughs> wow. Now, really, wealthier couples don't last longer than those who earn less. Uh, And get this. The more you spend on a wedding ceremony, the shorter the marriage. According to a survey, 3,000 couples in 2014 uh, by the uh, Department of Economics at Emory University in Atlanta. And I get their weekly mailer, the Department of Economics at Emory University in Atlanta. Couples who spend 20,000 on their wedding are 46% more likely than average to get divorced. The risk falls to 29%, a 15, no, a seven, a 17% drop higher than average for those who spend 10,000 to $20,000. If you spend more than 20,000, it's almost a 50% shot that you're getting divorced. That's amazing. And all, all of that having been said, uh, what does it mean? Eh. Money matters in matrimony as much as love. It's pretty even. Um, Marrying for love is the only good reason. The only good reason to marry. Abby Rodman, the psychotherapist in Boston. (sighs) The beauty is most of us have the freedom to do that. Marry for love. And if we're lucky enough, we get to to exercise it. Because when life gets tough, it always does. It's the love. That will sustain you, not the cash. Uh, I would disagree with that. And also, uh, Abby said, uh, and if you're marrying for money, you know what they say, you earn every cent. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, We're going to go ahead. I got a lot of money and I'm going to marry you, but... uh, I mean, there's still housework to be done. Oh, they're not doing housework? No? They're not cleaning the microwave? Maybe they should. Because uh, we found out uh, we found out today that uh, you should be cleaning your microwave. Uh, remember we talked about the icky touch screens? I can't get those out of my mind. I mean, I, I, go in, I went into a grocery store, and you see, you just even, you know, you put your card in, that you have to put your chip in now. They built a machine that you can slide your card, but if you have a chip, you can't slide it. Are we living in, what are we living in, the caveman days? Why can't I choose? I should be able to choose, slide or chip. But no, I have to chip. Okay, fine. But they still all have the little touch screen that I have to touch. Oof. And now it just bugs me. It just kind of bugs me. So uh, if, you're, uh, if you're looking to uh, use the microwave uh, at home and especially at the office, you probably want to clean that bad boy. Um, a study conducted by Kimberly Clark Professional found that microwave handles are among the dirtiest surfaces to be touched on a daily basis by people in an office setting. According to a press release, hygienists from Kimberly Clark collected nearly 5,000 individual swabs from office buildings, housings, more than 3,000 employees. 
all sorts of office types represented, law firms, insurance companies, call centers. The results showed that 48% of the people in those buildings should be dead because of the goo on the microwave handle. No, that's not what it showed, but it's possible that it could have. It showed that 48% of the microwave door handles were found to have high levels of contamination with this uh, endocene triphosphate, ATP. And that count was 300 or higher. And you know as well as I do. I mean, I don't mean to not talking down to you when I can tell you that when ATP is detected, it indicates the presence of contamination by plenty of concerning sources, especially when it's got a reading of 300 or higher. You know that as much as I do. And it's considered a high risk for uh, illness transmission. Microwave doors, highest percentage of contamination levels just behind Sink faucet handles. That's why uh, I like the motion sensor sinks. And we want you want the motion sensor paper towel dispenser. Don't use the blowers. Remember, the blower blows goo all over the place. So you get the motion sensor water, the faucet, right? You get the motion sensor, and you can get the motion sensor soap, the soap dispensers, and you get the motion sensor paper towel so you tear up the paper towel and you're using that and not blowing it all over the place. So wash your hands, clean out the microwave, sanitize that microwave handle. I mean, you might not get sick. You might. I mean, I don't know what to do anymore. I guess it, you just have somebody follow you around. This is what you need your robot for. Follow you around with hand sanitizer. So every time you touch anything at all, here's your hand sanitizer, sir. Jeffy. Hand sanitizer. Jeffy, hand sanitizer. Yeah, that'd get old real quick. Real quick. Hey, let's go to the break room. Ooh, it doesn't look like anybody's cleaning that microwave. Oh, I don't even want to touch the, I don't even want to touch the water dispenser. Get me a glass of water. Ooh, I got to have a drink though. All right, so the house built by Frank Sinatra, his custom-designed Malibu beach house, is now for sale. Now, it started its sales journey this summer as a rental, asking 110000 a month. Uh, it's the home that Frank uh, and his wife Barbara designed for themselves, uh, came to the market. Uh, the Sinatras bought the property in the early 90s for three million dollars only to tear down the existing house and build the one you see uh it was completed in 1992 six years before sinatra's death at the age of 82 and barbara died last year at the age of 90 it has uh seven bedrooms nine bathrooms over 5,800 square feet with 40 feet of prime beachfront land it was designed for entertaining. Uh, look, the Sinatra's frequent guests were Jack Lemmon, Gregory Peck, Dick Van, you know, the A-listers, of course, in their day. I mean, Sinatra once proclaimed that uh, orange was the happiest color, so it's not much of a surprise that a version of the hue shows up throughout the house. Uh, I hope they are able to sell it. It's on the market right now for $12.9 million. I hope, I hope that the family is using Mercury Real Estate Services. All they had to do was go to Mercury Real Estate Services, realestateagentsitrust.com, and they'll take care of you. If you're trying to sell a house, whether it's Sinatra's Malibu house for $12.9 million, or it's your house in Davenport, Iowa, realestateagentsitrust.com. We've got thousands of agents all over the country waiting to help you sell your house for the most money in the shortest amount of time. realestateagentsitrust.com. I hope. I want to read about this story in the next couple of weeks. Sinatra's custom design, Malibu Beach House, listing at $12.9 million, thanks to realestateagentsitrust.com, was sold for $150 million in a week. I doubt I'm going to read that. I doubt you're going to read that. However, it would be nice. 
realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Did you know that NASA now admits that uh, aliens may have already visited the Earth? Uh, They say UFO sightings cannot be explained or denied, some of them, and that, uh, look, the space expert noted that uh, not all UFO sightings can be explained, and they've long uh, been investing in the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, and recently the publisher uh, on SETI, uh, Professor Silvano P. Calambano, suggested that alien life may all have already visited us. I would say that uh, the Professor Silvano P. Calambano has never visited a Walmart. Uh, because I know for a fact, I know for a fact that I've seen some aliens in a Walmart. In fact, I mean, there have been times I've run into Walmart and I'm sure people went, ooh, is that guy from this world? But I know I've seen some aliens. Uh, I know it. It does not surprise me at all. You know, you know who Lord and Taylor, the store in New York? I've had this story in the fat pile for for a while, for this week and the end of last week. And it's really, it really kind of irks me a little. But they're preparing to close up. And I know it's a store. And I don't, you know, I got it. It's, you know, big deal. It's a store and they're closing. But it's Lord and Taylor. Fifth Avenue. I mean, Lord and Taylor Fifth Avenue. The windows of Lord and Taylor. They've been, they're known for their window designs. People have made names for themselves in the artistic and design world by designing windows at Lord and Taylor's. And they've got the building, and they're trying to, you know, there's, it's just the place to go. It's the flagship store. Um, and it's, they're in the middle of a blowout sale, baby, getting ready to close. About 40 Lord & Taylor branches are going to continue on, but the, uh, the New York Fifth Avenue Lord & Taylor, the classic, the, the, the mothership of Lord & Taylor, they're shutting down. Amazing. Closing it down. Look, I know I got... I know. And part of the problem may be even just as I was reading the story and I'm thinking, well, that may have been part of the problem. Uh, they talked to uh, one of Lord and Taylor Shopper. Uh, they they name her Karen Nelson. She said uh, she had lots of fond memories, including having makeup applied to her teenage face amid the ground floor perfumes. Um, yeah, that's when they were doing that stuff for free. You weren't spending any money. Maybe that was the problem. She also remembered uh, most were the magical windows at Christmas. Now, that's for sure. Everybody loved that, and it was you know tremendous. But the one thing that those windows did was cost money, and did, you know they were hoping to get sales, obviously, from those windows. But when you have people standing out front going, "Oh, that's beautiful," and head down the street, you're not making anything at Lord and Taylor's. And uh, then she said, and we patiently waited in line for our turn to see them more closely. I got lines in the streets in front of Lord and Taylor for the Christmas windows. I know. It's, it's amazing. If you've never seen it, I would say, you know, take the opportunity the next time you're in New York. But if you're not going to be in New York for the next within the next couple of weeks, you're out of luck. Look at some pictures. Good for you. Now, uh, according to uh, according to insiders... Uh, the company is uh, increasing focus on its digital opportunity and commitment to improving profitability, which means that building is sucking them dry. Fifth Avenue in New York. That was Lord and Taylor's money going out the window or going to Mayor de Blasio and his taxes. So uh, with several uh, investors and we work are taking over the building, $850 million deal. We work moving into Lord & Taylor's. I love that. And, it, you know, I just, it's kind of a little heartbreaking for me. I don't know why, it just is. Do I care about Lord & Taylor? I mean, did I shop there? Oh, me and Lord and & Taylor are, I mean, <laughs> close? You, you could say that. I mean, you could say that. When you, when you listen, when you think of, me and clothes and fashion and makeup and you think of you know them the lord 
and uh, Taylor. We told you last week about the uh, Marriott being hacked for 500 million guests, and we still don't know exactly you know, who got hacked for what. Uh, Quora just announced uh, today, data breach, 100 million users. I think it's time that we just all realize uh, if it, that uh, you either have LifeLock, this is, this is not any kind of commercial for them, you either have LifeLock or hackers have got your information. I think we're. I think I'm torn between that now. You either have LifeLock, or hackers have your information. Now you can have LifeLock, and hackers can still have your information. But that's what LifeLock says they'll do for you: is block them trying to hack into your stuff. Right? That's their deal. Now, why are they not an advertiser on this program? Oh, no answer. You're just going to sit in there and look at me? Okay, fine. Now we're done. Since we're walking back to work from the break room, did you know that George H.W. Bush is dead? It's like continuing coverage for this guy. I can't. I can't stop. I, it's driving me insane. I got it. He was the president of the United States. He was a good man. He was a father to these, you know, to a president. He was father to a governor. He's got a big family. He loved his wife that he was married to, stuck with for 73 years. He tried, he was a, a military guy, a, a United Nations, a CIA, vice president, president, uh, cared about America, loved America. I love it. Good. Stop. Stop. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. Let it happen. You know, if this would not have happened, we would not be able to see Bob Dole trying to get up his chair. If you missed the footage today. And I tweeted Bob it Dole out. Paying his respects. Yes. To fantastic. George W. Bush. Yeah, that's the word I was going to use. Fantastic. It's fantastic. No, that's what that's what I said. I oh, was going to say. Oh, okay, okay. Fantastic. It's fantastic. He, Bob Dole stood up. Did he? Stop. stop. You're the one telling me to stop. You're the one telling me to stop, and then you want to go down this road. You, you say, stop, stop, that happened. And then you bring up Bob Dole. If you bring up that damn dog, I'm going to go through the roof. But... So Bob Sully. stands up. Look, which look, one you Bob, want to cover first? Will cover Sully or you want to cover Bob Dole? I don't want to cover Sully because if I, Sully did a good job, will. Sully kept the president, you know, safe and helped him as a support animal and saw him to his death. So good job, Sully. Good dog. <laughs> that, is, that is not what I was going to say, but I'll go ahead and let let that lie. Yeah, good dog. Good dog. All right, Bob Dole. Good dog. And by the way, I tweeted the the video, so you might want to just retweet me, so because it's it's powerful video. It's a very powerful video. So Bob Dole stands up, attempts to stand up there as, best he, can, as the best, best he can, as best he can. He's can, in a yes. wheelchair. He's like 95, 95, 95 yeah. years old. And uh, after that performance of respect for for President Bush, former President Bush, uh, lying in state in the rotunda. I would say that the odds are pretty good. He's the next one to go. Jeffy. That's the bet. Right? Jeffy. The line the line went the line went pretty So now we him. went from paying our respect to a fallen, you know, president to creating a deadpool. Is that what you did? Now we have a deadpool. If somebody gives him that dog to look after him, he's for sure gone. Oof. Oof. Oh, did I go back to Sully again? You did oh, back okay, to we're Sully. done. I'm stuck. Okay. Done. One of my favorite things in life is when people, and I don't know why this is, but when people pretend to be other things, especially doctors. And we've talked about this before. You know, if if I pretend to be a doctor and I I care, good for me, right? It's a free clinic. You're working at a, if I work at a free clinic, I'm making a couple of bucks. I don't want to sell Slurpees in the day. I want to at least try to care for people. But the only way I could do that is to pretend I'm a doctor. As long as you're being full disclosure, hey, I'm not a real doctor. I'm just pretending. I'm okay with it. You know what? I think that's I think that's a good a good distinction. 
Yes. Because this guy, we have a new fake doctor in our midst. Uh, Wait, Dr. Phil quit? <laughs> no, Dr. Phil's still good. Oh, oh okay. He's okay. not even a real. Oh, we did find out he is a real doctor. Yes. Of dirt or something from Texas A&M. Someplace. I don't remember what it was. He is a real doctor, though. Uh, a glut al- practicing doctor, by the way. You got to get that right. Course, I'm yes, that's not right. A practicing doctor. Well, apparently this guy should not have been a practicing doctor either, right? Because he's working at a free clinic in Virginia. Uh, a Glenn Allen man pleaded guilty to posing as a doctor at a free clinic. In, uh, New- in, in, in he said, "Yeah, I'm guilty. I posed at him." He saw about two dozen patients, which really seems like not that much. Right, a couple dozen patients at a clinic, free clinic, seems like. Not that much, but the the hoops that he went through to get the documentation to pretend that he was a doctor was, I don't know, it's pretty hard work. So according to the allegations in the indictment, uh, Vishal J. Patel. Whoa, Patel? I know. I was thinking the same thing. Can we call Rias Patel and ask? A, uh, I don't know if cousin, it's a family member cousin Patel, brother or something. Because Rias Patel, now he's in D.C. This guy's in Virginia. So the picture they used does not, okay. I mean, it, it could be related, Okay, but that's not Riaz or is it? He, uh, used, uh, personal identifying information of licensed physicians to pose as a doctor in an online employment applications to medical staffing companies. So he falsely claimed in such applications to be licensed to practice medicine in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And to support this claim, he created, submitted, and submitted false diplomas, certificates concerning his education, training, certifications, licenses, in which he included registration and licensing numbers belonging to various licensed physicians. He posed as the physicians when contacting various oversight entities, including the DEA. He directed those entities to alter the physician's licensing records so that they appeared to be associated with Patel. He then directed these entities to mail him copies. Oh, you know what? Just send them to me. Just send me the copies, the altered records. And so that he had those in his hand to prove that they were him. Uh, he fraudulently induced various medical staffing companies to employ him. So he went to these, yeah, I'm a doc. You can just give me, you know, I'll go wherever. Uh, so, he obtained employment through at least one company at a free clinic in, uh, in in Newport News, where he saw two dozen patients before he was terminated due to the clinic's inability to verify his credentials. So that's why he was cut loose early. That's why it was only two dozen uh, patients, because he, he just started, okay, get to work, go ahead. But if we can't verify your stuff, you're out. And they couldn't verify it, so he's out. Now, he has now since pleaded guilty to furnishing false information in a DEA, DEA record, aggravated and aggravated identity theft. Is that like a hate crime? Yeah, I murdered him, but was it a hate crime? Yeah, I pretended to be him, but was it a hate crime? It's like a hate crime of identity theft. He faces a maximum penalty of four years along with a mandatory consecutive term of two years in prison when sentenced on, he's going to be sentenced in March of next year. Uh, seems like a long time for, I'm just pretending to be a doctor. <laughs> pretending to be a doctor at a free clinic, no less. I mean, he's trying to help people. He's trying to be nice, that's all. And is he alive or dead? Is he real or is he Memorex? Is he a robot or is he a human? Nigeria's president, uh, Muhammadu Buhari. Buha, Buha, how do we say his name? You had it. Go ahead and say his name. You have it. Go for it. What is it? Nailed it. I know, uh, audience, this is the point where I'm supposed to play an audio of the uh, president's name, but I I forgot. So I apologize for that and to the audience. I mean, we could just edit it out. We could play the... Oof, oof, Jeffy. As you can tell, I'm so busy right now taking notes, making sure, you know, Blaze Podcast Network is up and running. Um would you like me to try to get the audio? 
I don't want you to go out of your way now. Are you I know sure? you're busy with the network and other podcasters. So don't don't you dare. Don't you dare. I will I will burn this podcast into sin before I air that, that computer saying Muhammadu Buhari. It's a Muhammadu Muhammad. Muhammadu Muhammadu Buhari uh, has denied claims that he died and was replaced by a Sudanese imposter. All right, this is the president of Nigeria. Now, he breaks his silence because uh, it's been circulated for months. He's running for re-election in February, but he spent five months in Britain last year being treated for an undisclosed illness. Now, one theory... Uh, that aired on social media and by some political opponents was that he had been replaced by a lookalike from Sudan called Jibril. Now, but there's no evidence that has been presented uh, that, uh, you know, there are videos making the claim that uh, Nigeria's president, Mu. I should burn this podcast into the ground. Uh, seriously, uh, <laughs> you, seriously, I should burn this thing into the ground. Now he told Nigerians, uh, in a town hall session in, in, uh, in Poland on Sunday, he's not even back in Nigeria. He was attending a conference. Uh, a lot of people hoped that I died during my ill health. Some even reached out to the vice president to consider them to be his deputy because they assumed I was dead that embarrassed him a lot. And of course, he visited me when I was in London convalescing, adding that those who spread the rumor were ignorant and irreligious. Were they? If you were an imposter, that's exactly what you would say. Now, he emailed uh, a statement uh, entitled, It's the Real Me. Uh, President Buhari responds to cloning allegations. Now, he has a pinned tweet on his Twitter account. He has 1.7 million people, 1.76 million people uh, following him on Twitter. And it's his top tweet. Let's hear what uh, Mu, let's hear what Mu, I like the way I said it better, uh, had to say on his pinned tweet. One important question, I, I, I seem to forget about it. Because uh, the answers of that uh, question must be ignorant and uh, irreligious. Somebody says that I'm cloned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I forgot it until I was reminded by it. <laughs> yes, I, um, a lot of people uh, uh, hoped that I, I was dead. Right. <laughs> and hoped I died. And, uh, poor Vice President, and some people have started asking for. Right. Because for that, you should consider them for being the vice president. You call that. That's a funny. They must have embarrassed him a lot. Because um, uh, he visited me uh, when I when I was at and I'm still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my 76. 76. Yeah, uh, still when going I strong. get harassed by my grandchildren, they are getting too many. <laughs> <laughs> now, first of all, what I what you don't hear, liar, liar, a fraud. You don't hear that. Which I wish you would, because then that person would be dead. They'd just shoot him. You'd hear, liar, fraud. <laughs> oh, now you're playing. Now you're not going to play with Muhammadu Barari, but now you're going to play. Okay. All right. We'll play. We'll play. Go ahead. Let's, what, you, what, what, what you don't hear, and if you did hear it, you, they'd probably just be killed on the spot. But if you liar, fraud. <laughs> I seventy six years old, still going strong. Ah. <laughs> and they're just dragging the body out. Nobody else is yelling fraud after that. Liar, fraud. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's the real guy. He's the real one. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> Nobody wants to say it's a fraud. Nobody wants to call him a liar. <laughs> 76 is still going strong. Yay! President Buhari. I mean, everything that happened is just perfect, right? I mean, it's perfect for him to be a fraud. Don't shoot the gun at me. It's perfect to be. It's just perfect. So, is he real or is he a robot? Or is he like a fraud? Remember uh, Kashugi, Kashugi Shugi from Saudi Arabia? They had the fraud walking around the streets uh, for hours after his, his proposed clothes. death. You're wearing his clothes, wearing his, wearing his hat. Yeah. I mean, we Glasses. found out they had the special deep state meeting uh, the, to the Senate today. Rand Paul was a little all wound up about that, too. He was tweeting about it because he didn't get to go to the meeting. He got his feelings hurt. We talk about a deep state. There's, why isn't all the senators in on this meeting? I'm a senator, too. It's pretty much what the tweet said. I might be quoting a little bit off. Uh, that's what I read. Are you gonna? Can I quote you on that? that yeah, what? you can because okay, that's what it. I read. That's got what it. I read. That's, that's what you I read. That's what I read. I'm gonna quote the, you on that. Got it. But uh, he, uh, so Graham comes out of the meeting. Lindsey Graham, senator from uh, South Carolina, he comes out of the meeting and they're interviewing him, and he's got the big line of today of uh, that they're all using on the on the TV uh, that uh, a smoking gun is a smoking saw. <laughs> Who cares? How much time and money are we wasting on this Kashugi Shugi? Really? I'm sorry? I, I do, I'd like to know how much time and money uh-huh. and energy we're wasting on Kashugi Shugi. Okay, see, that's what I thought you asked. Okay. I, I realize, look, I don't want to. Don't look at me like that. Like, I I know he was murdered. I know it was, you know, he's Saudi Arabia, most likely had him killed in Turkey at the embassy. I got it. Uh, you know, but. Sorry. That's where I'm at. <laughs> That's about as good as you're going to get for Kashuki Shuki for me. I'm sorry. Yep, that's as good as it gets. So, uh, you got him? Nice. I uh, mentioned uh, uh, I mentioned off the air that uh, I wanted to try to talk to Cam Edwards today because uh, I saw his new podcast up, uh, 40 Acres in a whatever it is. He lives on 40 acres with some kind of animals. And I wanted to talk to him. It's 40 acres and a fool silly. I know what the title is. And I love Cap. And uh, he's back up. I've got a new podcast up to get it. So not only are you, do you need to subscribe to uh, me, uh, Chewing the Fat, uh, rate and review it. Uh, you can subscribe to uh, 40 Acres and a Fool on the Blaze Podcast Network. Um, also, uh, if you have questions or want to uh, comment, you can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA. Uh, Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. And you can uh, email me, uh, chewing the fat at theblaze.com. Chewing the fat at theblaze.com. And of course, uh, you can always uh, find Cam Edwards. On his Twitter account. At Cam Edwards. Oh, that was a tough one. All right, so I'm scanning the globe on the new uh, Blaze CRTV, Blaze Podcast Network, and I see that uh, my man, uh, 40 acres and a, and a fool, I mean 40 acres and a mule, uh, no, 40 Acres and a Fool, uh, Cam, is back uh, back up. And uh, it was good to see him back up on the podcast. Uh, he and the wife are back up. And I've got some questions about some of the uh, some of the uh, interactions uh, going on on the uh, on the 40 Acres. So, Cam, welcome to Chewing the Fat. How are you, my friend? I am good, Jeff. How are you? I am so good. I have never been better. If I, if I had 40 Acres, I could be maybe a little bit better. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. I've, it's, it's a lot to keep up with, but uh, but it's fun. I've thought to myself over the years, I just need to do it. Just move out, move away, go back to the earth, to Mother Earth, and then I realize how much work it's going to be, and decide not to. Yeah, <laughs> there is there is that aspect of it, uh, but you know what? For every one of those days where I think to myself, "What did I get myself into?" There is another day where you know you're looking at the sunset, or maybe it's this you know really foggy morning you're out there walking the dogs you're letting the goats out so they can roam around right. and you just realize like 
you don't get this in the suburbs. You can't get this uh, in the city. And it's a really, really special thing to be able to, to actually have that reconnection. Yeah. So I'm really, really blessed. So when last we spoke, um, quite a while ago uh, now uh, with me, mm-hmm. uh, your uh, wife was uh, struggling. And I know that you have talked a little bit about it on the podcast. Uh, explain how she's doing and what's going on with uh, with her struggles and actually both of your struggles. It's not just one person going through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was one of the reasons why we actually stepped away for uh, a little bit. We decided we were going to take the summer off. Uh, I think you and I had talked right around Memorial Day. And, you know, it was between uh, Missy's chemotherapy and me trying to, you know, do more around the house and, and the farm and our kids and everything. It, uh, I think we did feel like it was a little overwhelming. So we, yeah. we decided, all right, we're going to just, you know, take the summer off and enjoy enjoy ourselves. And and we, we tried to do that. Uh, we actually had our first family vacation for the first time in like six years. All of the, uh, the wow. kids came home. Uh, right. And it was, it was great. It was exactly what Missy needed. Um, we got some not so great news earlier in the fall that, uh, the immunotherapy drugs. So, so, so Missy, my wife has lung cancer. Uh, she was diagnosed about two years ago, a little bit more than two years now. And there are, there are some amazing new developments, you know, amazing treatments that are coming out on a, a regular basis. And one of them is targeted immunotherapy. And she was on this drug. It's very, very promising. It's been showing great results for a lot of people. Unfortunately, Missy was not one of them. Well, so after we got the news um, that this drug wasn't working, she went kind of old school. And there's an old school chemotherapy drug called Taxotere. Uh She's been on that for about 10 weeks now. And last week, literally just a couple of days before we started the podcast up again, uh, we got the news that there are no new tumors and that the existing tumors in her lungs are all shrinking. So the, this round of chemotherapy is working. Um, hopefully there's going to be, you know, some targeted therapies that come along in the future that will work even better and, you know, do less damage. Because chemotherapy, chemotherapy basically poisons you. Yeah, no, I mean, it, that's what it does. Faster. Right. right? I mean, that's what it does. Exactly. It kills everything. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's actually the cancer a little faster. It's actually a horrible drug, to be honest. But it does, it, it does it, what it, it's it, supposed it, to it do. Is. Right. And so I'm very, very hopeful that uh, this is not going to have to be something that she does forever and ever. Um, but it's working now. And uh, and, and, you know, we'll we'll put up with it. So, yeah, of course, that's been the, the fantastic news. And uh, and with that and with the, you know, the coming of winter, it's a it's a much calmer time on the farm. We don't have the garden to deal with. Uh, everything's sort of settled down for a few months. You've and been, it just seemed like you got all the canning done. Come back. You got all the canning done. You've got the you got the, the hay in the barn. Yeah, we got one more. We've got one more batch of, of hot peppers uh, that we will uh, ferment for our hot pepper sauce. I'll bring you a bottle actually next time I see you. And uh, but yeah, all of the everything else is settled. All of the critters are you know hunkered down. We've got our our uh, our buck in with our does and our goats. We're gonna have Whoa. goat babies come spring, and we got a very very happy uh, buck right now named Chico. I uh, bet. And uh, and yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's a good nice quiet time on the farm right so, now. So um, I, I understand that it was uh, you know a little more quiet than you would have liked. I know you said everybody came home and you went on vacation with each other and you enjoyed the entire family. But usually families get together on the holidays, say like oh Thanksgiving, and everybody shows up for Thanksgiving and has a good time. Uh, but I understand that wasn't the case. Yeah, this was kind of a weird year. I mean, where we're not quite empty nesters. We have three kids at home. We have 13 year old twins and we have an 18 year old who uh, is uh, graduated high school, but he's living at home and he's working. But we have two kids that have already kind of, you know, moved on and they've started their own lives and they, they don't live in Virginia. They don't live anywhere near us. And, and it's, it's, it's weird to, to have that, you know, relationship where you don't get together for every holiday because that's kind of what I had growing up. I had that big extended family get together. Yeah. So our oldest kids will be home for Christmas, but yeah, it was just five of us. Yeah, the Thanksgiving table this year, and Missy does not know. I don't know if you have a relative like this, Jeff, but, like, she doesn't have to cook for five people. If it's Thanksgiving, she's still cooking for 20. It doesn't matter if there are five of us there. There's still enough food for 20 people. So we had five people at the table. We had two pies. No, excuse me, two pumpkin pies, an apple pie, and a pineapple upside-down cake, in addition to 
a big turkey, a smoked turkey breast, and then, of course, all of the side dishes. Cam, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I'm 820 pounds. <laughs> I'm well aware of people that don't know how to cook for small amounts of people. I'm also aware of the human beings like myself that figure, well, it's here. I might as well just go ahead and eat it. It'd well, be a waste. People, I'm not kids are 25 pounds, but kids are starving I, I in sure Africa. Children are starving in Africa. You clean your plate. Yeah. And that is why I made sure that none of that food went to waste. I think we might have like a quarter of a casserole dish left of uh, a sweet potato casserole. So do you have any Do you have any pigs gone. on the farm, though? So we don't at the moment. Um, we have sent them off to freezer camp. That's what we call it. Oh. So, uh, we, had, uh, we had pork chops last night, but we don't have any pigs on the farm right now. Because they're your garbage disposal, right? I mean, they eat anything. <laughs> They are. Chickens will do an adequate job. Really? Because uh, they're omnivores as well. Yeah, they'll eat meat. Uh, I, I I got so freaked out. I discovered that chickens are omnivores, Jeff, when I saw one of my chickens eat a frog. Wow. And I thought that something was wrong with my chickens. Yeah. I, you know, I was, you know, I had like, right? Nope. Turns out they will basically eat whatever you put in front of them. You so, know, I, I, uh, I grew up with a, with a, a, a chickens in, uh, I don't remember them. I don't remember any of that. I remember as a kid, you know, cutting off their heads, you know, between the milk house, right. between the milk house and the chicken coop. I'll never forget that running down that little hill between the milk house and the chicken coop. But I don't remember them eating, eating any kind of meat. But that, I mean, that doesn't mean they didn't. You, you, well, maybe you didn't hang around. You know, I was sure it was dinner time. You were busy eating meat. <laughs> you did do that. Watch the chicken. That's a that's a good point. Um, so, uh, but let me ask you a question now, now that we know that, uh, your chickens are eating frogs and stuff, my understanding is, uh, that, uh, they aren't really producing, uh, as much as they should. So perhaps, uh, meat is not a good thing. Well, that, that, that's true. Now I, I would say that the frogs are probably, uh, gone this time of year, but yeah, like, you know, this summer we were getting, so we have about 13 hens right now. And we were getting a dozen eggs a day. We were swimming in eggs. I'm giving them away to strangers on the street. Did you like eggs? Here, have a dozen eggs. Um, and now, now that we, so the one thing was we, we had them just kind of free ranging. They were roaming around the yard. The, the, the downside of that is that, you know, predators can get them. Uh, the upside is they've got more food to eat. So we actually were really lucky. We didn't lose a single chicken to predators, but we would find them laying eggs in like various spots underneath the porch uh, uh, you know, uh, just in, in, in tall grass, they, they, right. They kind of got away from the coop. Right. Um, and so now that they're back in their enclosed chicken yard, they're safe. They've got a place to be for the winter. Now they're not laying anything at all. We actually we had to buy eggs the other day, Jeff, like, you know, the what horror. A you feel the like horror. when you have to go to the store and buy eggs, that's unacceptable. I, 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 yeah, was, I, I felt bad. I felt, I felt like a, like I, like I really had, you know, I'm not doing something. I'm doing something wrong here. I have, if I have to go to the store and buy my eggs. I have failed as a man. I have. Well, and the chickens have failed as chickens. I have let them know that. We've had several talks. I've, I've tried to go the positive affirmation route of, you know, you can do this. I know you've got this in you. Literally, you've got them in you. Just let go of the eggs to, you know, now just kind of trying to chicken shame them a little bit. Yeah. Like, What's wrong with you? Maybe even, you know, threatening a little bit. Like, boy, it's great chicken soup weather. But, yeah, so yeah, far. Yeah, no kidding. Nothing. What you should do is maybe you waterboard one in front of the others. Until, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just why well, I just said this could happen to you. We need eggs, and we need eggs now. Otherwise, it's That's all. Right. I just can make an example. Right. Well, we do have. Uh, I, I talk about this in the new podcast too. We have one pair. We've got a rooster and a hen that have so far managed to evade our attempts to capture them and place them in the enclosed chicken really? yard. So oh, nice. yeah. And we really don't need two roosters. We only need one rooster. So uh, Bonnie and Clyde, that's what we're calling the pair that have gotten away. Clyde <laughs> could be used as the example. Clyde could be held up upside down. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and and turned into chicken stew in front of the others. Just yes. To let them know. That's what I'm talking what about. If you don't produce. Uh, the rooster board that bad boy right in front of the rest of them. I love it. <laughs> so it was so good to see uh, your podcast back up. And I'm glad that uh, things are turning around with your wife's health. I mean, that is so... That's the most important thing out of everything. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, people are in love with uh, the 40 Acres uh, stories, and I certainly am. And uh, I just wanted to say uh, welcome back, and uh, it's good to have you back on uh, the Blaze Podcast Network. Uh, Cam Edwards and 40 Acres and a Fool, thank you so much. 
Hey, Jeff, thank you, man. And, and, and it's so exciting, all the stuff that's happening with the Blaze. So it's a, uh, I had no idea that this was happening, but it's a good time to come back. There you go. Thank you, Cam. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Jeff. 